Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Can I just say how nice it is to see you all? I'm really surprised how many people are here, because I thought there's no way I'm going to be able to compete with a service in a pub, which is what's happening in Fleet this week. And I thought, no, most people will sort of just drift over there to the Wyvern just to see what it's like. But thank you for not doing that and for being here. Do appreciate having you here with me. Um, this is a free Sunday. Now, what I mean by that is that um, normally we preach through a series. In fact, for the last few years, I think four or five years, we have consistently preached through a series of different topics, books of the Bible and so forth. And Andy said to me, well, I'd like you to do this particular Sunday. And I said, yeah, okay, I can do it. Um, what's the verses? What's the chapter? Where are we doing? And he went, it's free. Do whatever you like. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> ah. That hasn't happened for about five years to me. Have I been told what to preach on? And all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. What do I do? Where do I go? And um, I've been praying and I've been thinking about things that have been going on in my life. And God's led me back to something. And I think God's been speaking to me. And I thought, well, I'm going to share that with you. Because I think it applies to us all, not just to me. So I'm going to be looking at the book of Romans now. It was great that Greg read for us from Romans. I asked the passage I wanted read before, before we started. Now, I want you to cast your minds back to the dim and distant past, those of you that have been here for a few years. Can you remember when we went through the book of Romans? Yeah, it took us about two years. It took us about two years to go through the whole book. Um, now, it was in that dark period of time that many of us can only just remember pre-COVID. Do you remember that? Isn't it funny how we divide time up into certain blocks, don't we? And there's, there's a life before, I mean, the big one for us is life before kids. Remember that one? Yeah, if you're at a certain age, you sort of remember that. There's life before kids. And then there's kids, and then there's whatever. Um, and there's a big divide in our lives, isn't there, about COVID, because of the effect it had on us and everything that went on before. And a lot of things that went on before have almost been forgotten. And... Um, I think quite a lot of that has happened to some of the things that we've done. But I want to take you back into Romans. So I'll give you a quick synopsis of where we're going to go and what we're going to do. Um, Romans was a, a book. Oh, it says it's a letter. It's the longest letter I've ever seen. It's a book. It was a book written by Paul. And he wrote it to the church in Rome, which was a new church, a very new church. It was converts. This is post-Pentecost. So there are people who have taken this new faith and taking it to Rome. Now, Rome was the most powerful place on earth. It was actually the biggest center in the known world and it controlled most of the known world. So, influence in Rome was very important and what happened in Rome had huge impact throughout the world. And it was multicultural, it had multi-religions, it had a complete melting pot of languages and cultures and styles. And thrown into that were these new people, these new converts, these Christians. And that some of them were Jews who traveled there, who Jews who'd become Christians who traveled there. And others were just pagans, people who'd been converted and had joined the church and had started to get involved in this new thing. They probably didn't even know they were Christians at that time. They wouldn't have known that name. They just knew they believed in Jesus. And Paul knew about them. And he was really anxious to talk to them. He was really anxious to get to them. You see, in those days, there was only two ways of telling anybody anything. Face-to-face or writing it down. There was no other media, no other method of communication, no other way of doing it. So 
You either spoke to someone or you wrote down and then someone read it out for you. And because he was struggling to get there, and we know through the the history of Paul's life that um, he was aiming for Rome and it would take him a long time to get there, he thought, I've got to do something for these people. I've got to do something. So he wrote down everything he wanted them to know, everything he wanted them to hear. He wrote down what he would have preached to them, what he would have taught them if he could have physically got to them. He wrote it all down. Because he wanted to teach them, he wanted to instruct them. He didn't want them going off on you know, misinterpretations. He wanted them to have truth and clarity. So he put it all in a book. And the way he wrote that book is incredibly well structured. It's written like a long legal document. It is quite logical, it's quite chronological, it's quite structured, and it makes statements, and it builds fact upon fact. Because that's what he wanted people to get hold of. Now I'm now going to upset all the theologians, because it took Andy and Joshua, and occasionally me, two years to go through the book of Romans, and I'm going to do it in a couple of minutes, in the sense of I'm just going to paraphrase it. What Paul did in the book of Romans was he introduced himself, he explained who he was, and why he was writing to them. And he then went through the facts of the gospel. He just explained to them, very simply, that mankind was lost. It was hostile to God. But God wanted us back. And so there was the law, but the law had failed. It hadn't worked. <coughs> Ooh, wow. Good job you weren't wearing earphones. Sorry about that. And um, they needed to be brought back. So he had to form some other form of salvation. Some other way of redeeming people. And he found it in his son, the sacrifice of Jesus. And that salvation became available to all of us, not just to the Jews, the chosen people, but to all of us. And it was based on faith, putting our complete trust in Christ. And because of that, we would be justified. Because of that, we were free, we were redeemed, we were forgiven, we were restored to God. And the purpose of all of that was to make us more Christ-like. That was the journey that we were on. I'm going to cough again. So. It's like <coughs> Could someone get me a drink of water, please? Would you mind? Caroline, thank you. <coughs> Sorry, you just moved first. That's why you got there. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's where we are. That's what was happening. Now, we're going to jump into Romans. We're going to jump into Romans 8. Romans 8 and verse 1. So Paul has spelt out his case in books one to seven or chapters one to seven he spelt out the case about the history that bit I've just paraphrased I think that took us about 10 months to do when we preached it but you can see where we're going so he's gone through that and now we get to chapter 8 verse 1 therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law 
might be, thank you, might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but live according to the Spirit. I love those verses. For me, that's the punchline of what Paul was trying to convey. There's a very, very powerful sentiments. I love the preaching and the teaching of Martin Lloyd George. If you ever get a chance to read his uh, sermons, they are fantastic. But he made one very bold statement in his notes once. He said, whenever you see the word therefore, you have to know and question, what is it there for? It's making a very powerful point. It means for that reason. It's a bridging word that says, because of everything that we've just done, therefore, for this reason. (coughs) So what he's saying is, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What a bold statement. What an amazing thing. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we are free. Free to live life in the Spirit. And then as you look through uh, chapter 8, he outlines what that means. And he goes into more depth about it. But then towards the end, we get to the verse that Greg read for us at the beginning, which I want to read again. More than conquerors is what we always call it. For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and that those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I mean, those are amazing words, aren't they? Well, power is in those words. But I want to ask you a question. When Greg read that out this morning, what was your reaction? What was your reaction? Because, unfortunately... Those words are so familiar, they've almost lost their meaning to us. They become, yeah, we've heard that before. I actually think you've only got to be a Christian around five to ten minutes before someone says you're more than a conqueror. It's, 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 I can remember someone saying it to me, and I'm like, what the heck is that all about? Um, we hear it, we hear it all the time. It's almost a Christian mantra. 
we have fridge magnets that say it. We get all these records everywhere. And it's, it's just, it gets thrown at us all the time, all the time, all the time. And like most things that are familiar, it becomes that, familiar, meaningless. We no longer think about it. We no longer take it in. We no longer actually take, what does that really mean? What does that really mean? Well, I know what it means because when I think about it and I slow down, yeah, I can see it. But then I've got to ask myself another question. Why don't I feel like a conqueror? Why don't I think like a conqueror? What does it actually mean to be a conqueror? We don't really know, do we? If you think about it, we don't really know. You see, the word conquer, what does the word conquer mean? Well, it means to win a battle or to overcome by effort. So we would say, we conquered Everest because it took extreme effort. It took a lot of, yeah, effort. We had to put a lot into it. We had to do a lot about it. If we fought a battle, it, took, it was at great cost to us. It didn't just happen. And because of that effort, the result has a value. Because that's how we work. That's how human beings work. We, re, we equate effort and reward. And if we've worked hard for something, we value it. If we've strived for something and we achieve it, we value it. That's, that's how our world works. It's how, how we work. It's, um, I don't know about you, it's how my parents brought me up. Work hard, strive for things, and you might get them. You know, it's, that, that's, that's the world. And yet, here is someone saying I'm a conqueror, but I've not conquered anything. I've made no effort. I don't know about any of you, but I did absolutely nothing to become a Christian, to become a child of God. I made no effort. I did nothing about it. I didn't strive for it. I didn't set my heart on it and say, I'm going to go, that's the direction of my life. That's what I'm going to put all my focus on. I didn't do that. What I did do at some point in my life was I thought, I believe. That's what I did. I said, I believe. And I became a Christian. Like that. Because I put my faith in Jesus. And that's what we all did. That was the only effort we really made. Because we actually know the Bible tells us constantly, your efforts are in vain. You cannot earn the grace of God. You can't work for your salvation. You can work out your salvation. That's a totally different thing. But you can't earn it. So we've made no effort for it. So all of a sudden, I'm a conqueror, but I've not made any effort to be one. And it's very hard to take that on board, to actually apply that to your life. What does it really mean? Um, I was clearing out a drawer at home, just going through some stuff, and I found this stuff. And this is my poor attempt at a different analogy. Has anyone got any idea what any of these things are? Lanyards, that's what everybody says straight away, yes. And you're absolutely correct, they are lanyards. What is usually on the end of a lanyard? You know the answer because you've heard this preach before, so you can be, thank you, thank you. We've got an interloper from Fleet who wanted to come out. Pardon? They're IDs, they're identification. In actual fact, what all these are, are VIP passes. Now, what they do is they give you a privilege. 
Now, these are all stuff that relate to my job from what I used to do. Because of my job, I used to go to a lot of um, events, shows, promotions, things. And thankfully, because of my job, I was a VIP. And I used to get unlimited access. But quite often, they say, yeah, access all areas, you know, blah, blah, blah. And some of them got my picture on. They've all got my name on. And they let me go anywhere. Now, this is a very unchristian thing to say, but I love being a VIP. <laughs> to drive up and park your car in a special parking space, or better still, have someone meet you and chauffeur you into the main entrance so you don't even drive. And to see everybody queuing up, thousands of people queuing up, and to walk to the head of the queue, and for someone to see that and go, oh, good morning, in you go. That is really nice. You know, that's lovely. And you walk in and someone says, would you like a coffee? Would you like a sandwich? Would you, like a you can go anywhere you like. You can do anything you like. You can speak to anyone you like. Every time you walk up to a barrier, the security guard steps back and goes, lets you through. Or if it's electronic, you put it to the thing and it goes, bing, and you're in. And people cater for your every need. They're looking after you all the time. Are you okay? Can I get you anything? Do you want anything? It's, um, it's lovely. It's really nice. And you, you can go and talk to people that you would never have access to. You can go to places where other people are not allowed. You find yourself, if you're at a motorsport event, you find yourself on one side of the track and everybody else who's paid is on the other side, looking in. It's great. It's an amazing privilege. But it's not for me. The only re- it's nothing about me, actually. The only reason I have these is simply because I did a job. So whoever was doing the job would have got that. It, wasn't, it was a VIP pass, but it wasn't my VIP pass. It was mine for the duration of the job while I was doing whatever I had to do. Now, I hadn't earned that. It was given to me because of the role I had. And we've got the same with God, but better. We've got a VIP pass. We have a pass that says, saved child of God, your name, your picture, VIP, access all areas. There are no barriers. There are no restrictions. If you speak, God listens. Whatever you want, it's there. Because God has done that. That's what we have. And, and that's my closest picture of becoming a conqueror. It's give, having a privilege that no one else has. Now, I haven't earned it, I've been given it, but I have it. Now, there's a big difference, a very big difference, between these and being God's VIP. Anyone want to guess what it is? Well done, Joyce. They can be taken away. See, those now are worthless, absolutely worthless. They were great while I was doing the job and while I was, had to be there. But the moment I retired, they're nothing. They're worthless. They, they have no application. They're gone. Because they were never about me in the first place. They were just simply for the person who happened to hold that job. And I must admit, I will confess, I enjoyed it. It was great. Okay? It was great. Because it was a privilege. And I knew one day it would disappear. And it did. But that's life. But the great thing about God and being God's VIP, it doesn't disappear. It doesn't go away. 
Someone doesn't say, oh, well, you've retired, we wish you luck, by the way, can we have your car keys and your briefcase and give us your pass back, please? And there's a taxi waiting for you on the way out. I mean, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. With God's VIP pass, it's not a piece of plastic with your picture on. It's tattooed on your soul. It's indelibly put on you, on us. There's a phrase used in the Bible where we are branded. Have you ever seen an animal branded? Yeah? Have you ever smelt an animal branded? Right. It is not a nice process. There's a few farmers in here pulling their noses. Yes, it's not a nice process. Okay? But it's a permanent mark until death. And that's what we have. That's how the VIP pass for us works. Not a piece of plastic we put around our neck and we wave at someone or we stick on a, an automatic barrier and it opens for us. It's indelible, irremovable. It's burnt into us. It's singed into our souls. It's there. And that's what Paul was talking about. That's what Paul was talking about when he was saying, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. We are marked tattooed, branded, whatever phrase you want to use, we are God's VIP. That's the privilege he has given us. We never earned it, he gave it. All we did was put our faith in Jesus. That act alone is enough. And we can think, yeah, that's great, that's wonderful. But there's another issue. Now, I haven't discussed this with the elders yet, but I think I have discovered the answer to the church's financial issues. Do you know what a swear box is? Don't panic, we're not going to have a swear box, okay? I'm not going there, but the principle is the same. I want to introduce a box that we're all going to use, and it's called the yes but box. Now, the reason for that is, as as an elder, the most common phrase I've heard over the years is, yes, but... And we all do it. We all say it. And it's, yes, but that doesn't apply to me. That's actually what you're saying when you say yes, but. You know, we sit down with someone about an issue, whatever that might be, and we read the word of God, and, we, and they go, yes, but. Here we go. And it's like, okay, it doesn't apply to you. You fully accept it applies to everybody else. You fully think everyone else is deserving of it in some way, but not you. And we hear it again and again and again and again and again. And I have got quite rude in how I now deal with this because I've got to the stage of, I just want to get cut through this. So depending on what they say, is I'll turn to someone and I'll say, okay, right, it doesn't apply to you. Why is your sin so special? I like that. That always makes me... Okay. Why is your situation so different? Why are you so unique? What's so exceptional about you compared to all the other people who are children of God? And the killer, which usually makes people stop and think, is why wasn't Jesus' death good enough for you then? Because that's what you're saying. Every time we fall into the trap of going, yeah, but, we're actually saying Jesus' death wasn't good enough. Now we know that's not true. We know that's not true, but we still fall into the trap of going down that route. We're listening to the wrong voice. 
we're listening to the devil telling us another lie. Because the truth is, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are free from the law of sin and death. And we are more than conquerors. We are God's VIPs. We are special to God. And nothing, nothing can separate us, however bad it gets. Now, there's a section in here which I consider to be prophetic. Um, I think Paul was making a point when he wrote it, but it turned out to be prophetic. Because he says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, any powers, height nor depths, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. What happens to Christians? What happened to the Christians he was talking to? They were persecuted, they were tortured, they were killed. In many, many horrible ways. Even today in some parts of the world, Christians are being persecuted and tortured and killed. This is going to happen. But he's saying, despite all these things that will happen, we're not separated from God. We're still God's children. We're still God's VIPs. We are still special to God. And it's because of his grace and his mercy. He just does it for us. Now we can spend our lives wondering why. Don't think we'll ever get the answer. Well, not, not on earth. We might in heaven one day. But we aren't going to know the answer to why. It just is. I mean, it's something we have to get hold of and accept and live in the power of. And we forget it because we become familiar with it. So we need to be constantly reminded of it. We need to go back over it again and again. In a way, I do wish we did have a VIP pass because it would be quite nice to actually physically pull something out of the drawer, wouldn't it? And go, oh yes, absolutely, yes, I remember, yes. Because sometimes it's what we need. We need something to actually shock us back. To, yes, 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 yes. That's true, that's true. Because we are God's chosen people. And not because we deserve it, not because we've earned it, not because we've done anything to make it worthwhile. We simply said, I believe. And then the job is done. Now we all struggle with that. We all get bogged down by life. Things that go on. And we can lose sight of who we are. Who, who is our real identity? What are we? Well, it says on that VIP pass, that fictional one I read out, child of God. Doesn't make life any easier. Doesn't make it any better. But it does give us the security of knowing who we are and that we will overcome because God has already done it for us. Christ has done it for us. We have a guaranteed future. And it will not be taken away. I do want to pray for people. And I'm quite happy to pray at the end. So um, when we finish, I'm quite happy to hang around and pray for anyone who wants to be prayed for. I know that other guys here would 
join me if we need to as well. But I would say to you this morning, if you've had that prompt from God that says, yeah, I do that, or I, and then something comes up, do something about it. Don't just go home and, yeah, that was interesting, and then it fades away again. Please act. Do something about it. I'm going to ask Andrew to come up because Andrew shared something prophetic with me a little bit earlier, and I asked him to sit on it until I'd spoken and then share it briefly, and then um, I'll pray. And then, Shimona, if you've got a song, thank you. And then um, I'll then pray at the end. I'll just say briefly what that was. This morning, um, in the time of prayer that we have later, um, to really reach out to God, knowing how great He is. There's nothing that He cannot do. And then, a, a bit more than that, um, sometimes when we go through struggles, the struggles can be relatively temporary. So, <clears throat> I've got a bit of a cold at the moment, and yesterday I was really feeling pretty rough. But it, it's a temporary thing, and in a day or so, it will have gone uh, and I'll be okay again. But sometimes we go through times that are a bit more uh, persistent and the struggle is more ongoing and that's a lot harder, isn't it? And um, God gave me this scripture from <clears throat> 2 Corinthians, um, uh, Paul saying, my grace is sufficient for you for in my for my power is made perfect in weakness. And the context here is that um, Paul had this, what he referred to as the thorn in the, in the flesh, and we don't really know exactly uh, what that was, but it was pretty rough from the sound of it. He refers to it as a messenger of Satan uh, sent to torment him, he says. And he says, three times, I, I bet it was more than three times, but three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore i will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that christ's power may rest on me so sometimes when we have something that's really tough it's a call really for god you know for god's grace so that we can as it were live with it but sometimes it's a call you know when we've got something that we can pray for god to take it away so I'm not sure which one it is in either case but anyway in either case, uh, there's a call from the Holy Spirit this morning, if you're suffering with something, to reach out to God, and he will answer in one of those two ways, and either 
deliver you from it or he'll give you the grace to handle it. Thank you. If that's you this morning in any way, shape or form, like I said, respond. Do something about it. Okay? Call on God. Please do that. I'm going to pray and I'll hand back to Shimon. Father, I thank you for the powerful truth of Paul's words that we are saved. We are children of God. We are your VIPs. And I just pray for each one of us, and myself especially, Lord God, you'd help us to get hold of that, to hang on to that, and to live in the grace of that, and to apply it to our lives, to know that you will be with us and nothing will separate us from you. Whatever happens, we are yours. We are marked for life as yours and that you will always be with us. And I do pray this morning, Lord God, for those people right in the middle of something right now, whatever it might be, that they will reach out to you and you will just remind them again that you will be with them. I know some people, you will fix it straight away and other people, you will give them what they need to endure it. But you will be with us. And I just pray now for those people here, everybody here, Lord God, that they would know your strength through your spirit. Ask you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.